0: You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 49 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Absolutely awesome to be back with you. And today, I've got an epic, epic conversation that I can't wait to get to. So it's a perfect time for you to lock in. Now, yes, I did go dark on you for a couple of weeks, but not because I was slacking. In fact, quite the contrary. The Rome family hit the lake in northern Wisconsin where we have taken a vacation in the summertime. So even though I did not knock out a pot from the lake, it doesn't mean that I wasn't thinking about reinvention and transformation. In fact, I am more driven... No, I am more obsessed with that concept than I have been at any point during this journey. I mean that. And that two-week vacation was not only good for me to reset and recharge from my daily gig as a nationally syndicated sports talk host, but it gave me an opportunity to step away from that grind momentarily and really dig deeper on what it means to reinvent yourself personally, professionally, holistically, and in effect to try to create a new identity entirely. Personally, I have never been more excited within this process or had greater clarity. I have a much better idea who and what I want to be and how to go about becoming that person. And now every single morning when my feet hit the ground, I pull energy from this obsession and it continues to grow. I've got a purpose now that's driving me even more intensely. Now, if it sounds like I'm hyped, It's because I'm hyped about my mission and about you finding yours. Because once you do, you can attack your days and your life with purpose and intention. And believe me, it feels amazing. And nobody understands that better than my guest today. Literally. I mean, no one. I'm here to tell you today's episode is going to hit differently because Eric Thomas, to me, is an outlier. Somebody who really is uncommon amongst the uncommon. I would say, given where he started to where he is right now, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. But to say that would be doing the man a grave disservice because while he is a world-renowned motivational speaker author of an incredible new book called UOU and the so-called hip-hop preacher, my man is far from a finished product. In fact, Despite commanding six figures per public speaking appearance, E.T. says he needs to continue to reinvent himself, and not on an annual basis, but on a daily basis, that he's got too great of a responsibility to too many people not to do so, that the dog in him will not allow him anything other than the all-out pursuit of excellence. Every single day. Now, prior to this conversation, I had never spoken to Eric Thomas before, although I have wanted to for years. Now, having had that conversation, I want to run through a wall for the man. And I know once you've heard that conversation, you will say the same thing. It's episode 49 of The Reinvention Project with guest Eric Thomas. It is epic, and it's coming at you right now. So, Eric, first things first, never mind me wanting to have this conversation with you dating back to when I began this podcast more than one year ago. I have been wanting to have this conversation with you dating back to the mid-2000s when you exploded onto the scene before ultimately becoming the hip-hop preacher and one of the world's leading motivational speakers. I am hyped that you and I can finally chop
1: it up and do this properly. No it is no great doubt. to have you. E.T., how you living? Uh, man. You know, I, I tell people, Jim, at this point, I know you would understand, uh, beyond the dream, you know, we all have, you know, we all have these dreams and we see ourselves in certain places and spaces, but I I would never imagine that I would be among the elite speakers in the world. I used to listen to, you know, the Zig Ziglar's and the Tony Robbins and the Les Brown's, you know, um, I, I used to listen to those guys, you know, and now, um, To be among those guys and to be able to make an impact, you know, in the world through social media, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, you certainly are that. You are running with those big dogs, and I guarantee those guys are now listening to you. Eric, I want want to talk about your new book, You Owe You. It's incredible. I read it in a weekend while I was on vacation recently. However, I think it's really important that for those who may not know your background, your story, and how you came up, I think we need to establish that. What were your childhood and your teenage years like?
1: Well, you know, childhood, man, um, you know, unfortunately because – you know, my mom was a teenage mom. You know, my mom was 17 when she got pregnant with me. And, you know, in those days, you know, as a child raising a child, you know? Um, so of course, you know, you had grandma, both of my grandmothers, my great grandma was uh, heavily involved in my life. You know, we're talking urban South side of Chicago. You know, my mom was homeless when she first had me and she gave me a term, Jim, I never heard before. I heard of poverty. My mom said, object poverty. Like, I had never heard that before. Uh, she's like, that's when you live in a three-bedroom house with 14 people, you know, one bathroom, you know, and every item is a hand-me-down. So I was really raised by, you know, a, young, a, a kid, you know, a young lady, young woman who was just really figuring out who she was. I don't even know at 17 if she knew who she was. Um, you know, she couldn't go to college. Very bright young lady. Uh, My mom was very bright academically, graduated like top 20 of her class where here she is with a child unexpected. Here she is homeless, you know, trying to figure things out, you know, so our earlier years, man, we moms was grinding, you know, moms was trying to give me a life that she never had. You know, we were blessed, fortunate. She started to date. She married, um, you know, and and the beginning years was tough just because I always felt like, you know, I I just wanted to be me and my mom. You know, I wasn't really interested in my mom getting married. So, you know, jealous, you know, just insecurities, whatever. Um, But then, about 12 years old, I I knew something was wrong, but couldn't really put my hand on it. You know, I knew, okay, something's not right here. You know, I got three grandmas, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Great for Christmas and birthdays, but it wasn't many people on the block with three grandmothers. And um, found out at 12 that the person that was raising me wasn't my real father. And it was devastating. Like, my mom literally. I was like, you lied to me, like you used to whip me for lying. You you lied about, you know, just something that was the most important thing, you know. And so a lot of years, man, uh, homeless, uh, low self-esteem, you know, uh, spirit of rejection. You know, where's my real father? Why isn't he in my life? And I guess it complicated even more because I found out my grandmother's son was my father. And I always thought he was a friend of the family. So I knew my grandma, my aunt, my uncle, his brother, my cousins. I just didn't know who he was. So I would see him from time to time, but I just thought he was a friend of the family. So you talk about devastating. And so now here I am, 16, angry, hurt, bitter. I run away from home to complicate things. And um, yeah, man, things start to spiral down from there. Dropped out of high school, homeless, living in abandoned buildings, occasionally eating out of trash cans, making some bad de- choices, decisions, you know, um, almost got locked up, but grateful, you know, and my friend. Um, admitted to, this is, I stole the car, you know, these are my drugs, Eric had nothing to do with it, you know, or I could have, you know, been, uh, had a criminal record, you know, so um, yeah, the earlier years, man, were rough, but um, I was fortunate, a mentor came in my life, mentored me, helped me to get my GED, sent me to college, and uh, once I got in a new environment, man, I was, I was off fire i was off with the races
0: eric that story you tell is absolutely harrowing man that is devastating i can only imagine like when you find out that the father who you think is your father is not your father and then everything that you thought was one way was actually not the truth or a lie i could see where that would make you or that would break you so probably you had a victim's mentality for a time (laughs) bam I love that sound because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is tremendous. It gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. That way, upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. We know this. I know where I started with this podcast. I know where it is right now, and I know where I want to go. Shopify is helping me with all of that, and in so many different ways. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business, in fact, to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify is a big part of our business, and it powers over millions of businesses as well, from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. You can gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. What I'm saying is, more than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. What you want to do is go to shopify.com rome all lowercase, and check out a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Once again, go to shopify.com R-O-M-E right now. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. My question is this, how did you go from victim to victor? What was your process for flipping the script?
1: You know, I I think environment, Jim, is first. You know, like if you are a victim, one of the ways I think you can come out of it is getting in in an environment where there are victors, right? And I know I'm going to get in trouble for this because I'm a Michigan grad, but I grew up in Detroit. You know, he, the song said, Hail to the victor. You know what I'm saying? That's it just, what it said. Hail to the victor. And I started hanging with people who were victorious in their lives. And, you know, they started to take interest in me and go, like, if you want to be victorious, yo, here's where you got to go. So, you know, I started going to church and I tell people, all tell them, I ain't grew up in church. So for me, it wasn't about like just religion, but literally in that time, it, things have changed, Jim. But in that time, church was safe like no you didn't have gunmen coming into church you know uh, harassing people or killing people in the church you know so church was safe so i always knew when i was in church i was safe there was always a meal at church you know there was always a sense of stability and security in church you know you got these phenomenal speakers so it's inspiration it's motivation you got the choir you know and then you always have a few people in church who are like motherly figures fatherly figures and so They kind of take you in and kind of support you. So church for me, the the physical building and then the environment was like level one of my transformation. Level two, and I was just fortunate, I started to date a young lady at the church who knew what she wanted to do with her life. So she really kind of held me accountable and was like, look, I love you. I do want to, you know, explore a relationship with you, but I'm going to college. And I'm not dating a high school dropout when I go to college. You know, and so I decided that, hey, I, I, I love you and I want to be with you. What I think is for the rest of my life, at least at that time I thought it was, I was like, yo, let me go study, get my GED. And she gave me a sense of why, a sense of purpose. Like now I'm like, yo, I can go to college. I can get out of Detroit. Like, you know, I can I can do something with my life. I have somebody that I can be with and eventually, you know, uh, end up getting my GED and following her to college, you know? So I think that environment and then that environment took me to another environment. So the pastor and a couple of other church members, they had all gone to this HBCU in Huntsville, Alabama. So they were like, look, if nothing else, we can get you there. We can use our name and our credibility, you know, to get you there. And so being in that environment, catapulted me to another environment. And once I got in college, man, and started hanging around, you know, young kids who had dreams, goals, aspirations, I always tell people I may not be the smartest or the most talented, but Jim, I'm definitely competitive. So when you get in an environment where people are doing nothing, what do you do? You do nothing. You get in an environment where people who do something, what do you do? You compete with those people to try to at least do what they're doing or beyond. So that to me, those are, I think the three most important things I did, because all of those changed my perspective and they change Uh, my attitude, you know, and just my worldview, you know, when you're in college, that's different than being on the block. You know, when you're with your friends in college and you're driving home with them for Thanksgiving to Miami and you're seeing palm trees, you know, you're seeing ocean and you're seeing cruise ships. When you're going to Atlanta and you're going to Stone Mountain and you're seeing people who look like you in these mansions, it just, as I try to change, uh, traveling the world with my friends, going to their homes, It it was just like, wow, I had never been to DC, or I had never been to Miami, or I had never been to Oklahoma, or I had never been to California. And so now I'm starting to see the world, and my world is changing because I'm seeing people who think like me, look like me, come from where I come from, actually living the American dream or pursuing the American dream and their family is living the American dream man, I started hanging out with victors. So I was like, yo, I like I like, I like, like being with victors more than I like being with victims.
0: Amen. Preach, E.T., there is so much amazing stuff to unpack in what you just said, like we can talk about it. And you talk about this in your book. Now, the importance of having a why, the importance of finding your superpower. I want to double back to that in a minute, but something you just right. said that, hey, listen, I might not be the smartest guy in the room. I might not yeah. be the most talented guy in the room, but I am competitive. I want you to talk about this, the importance of having that dog. You got to have that dog yeah. you have to have yeah. that dog in you for those who don't understand the concept what's it mean to have that dog in you
1: you know I, I, and it's funny i was just in chicago i was working with one of the largest accounting firms you know in, in the nation and they do a man they, they had this program I, it's unbelievable they bring 161 of the most gifted african-american students yale harvard princeton you know uh, Morehouse, Clark Atlanta, like you name it. And, and I'm in a room with these kids, you know, and I'm trying to explain to these kids like, yo, it's not enough to be skilled, you know? And Jim, you've been in the the the, the sports industry for years and you know that there were athletes like Jim, think about, and again, I, I have no, I, you know, I statistically, you know, I, I think I can prove this, but I, like we don't have enough time to kind of go back in history, but a lot of times, Jim, the number one, Draft pick, and you know, let's say the NBA, like a lot of times, you know, the Sam Bowie wasn't it, you know, uh, or like we could say a, n- a bunch of names, right? That these guys were the number one draft pick, and it's like, up, they got the height, up, they got the natural abilities, up, they got the speed, the quick, like up, but they don't end up panning out because, unfortunately, when you're dealing with life, life is not in a straight line, you know what I'm saying? Like, people aren't in a straight line, you feel me? Like, there's a, there's a, there, we, like, like. These are shark infested uh, oceans, water, bro. Like like life, you know, my wife, you know, have had her medical challenges. My mother-in-law, my son, like I, I, I lost friends, cousins in jail, you know, like life, unfortunately, isn't, you know, this beautiful picture that we paint in our mind as babies. Like life will throw some serious curves and some serious punches. And I think Mike Tyson said it best, like, Everybody got a plan or a blueprint or a strategy until you get punched in your face. And once you get punched in your face, only those that have a dog mentality are able to get back up off that canvas. Most people, it's like, yo, this hurt. And I feel you, like, stay down. Like, why, why get back up and take more punishment? Like, I feel you 100%. But for those of us who are going to succeed, there are obstacles. There are challenges. There are setbacks. There are people in the world who may hate us because of the success that we're having. There might be people who – people all the time, oh, he loud. You know, I'm like, I think it's passion, personally. But, like, if you want to see it as I'm screaming, that's up to you. But when you don't have that dog and all you have is natural talent, then you're not able to control some of the shark-infested waters. So, for me, I look at my son. I promise y'all, my son – Maybe on paper you couldn't tell that he was brilliant, but my son will circles, run circles around his sister academically. Never needed a tutor. He just needed to buckle down. But my daughter has always done better academically, and I'm, you know, somewhat embarrassed to say this, Jim, but I'm an educator. I I didn't know until my daughter's senior year, she's getting ready to go to college. The summer, I have her go to one of these special SAT you know, prep programs, you know, we pay the big bucks. And the guy says to me, man, I regret to inform you that, you know, she's not going to be able to score higher, you know, than what she scored because she has a math and science deficiency. I never knew my daughter struggled academically. And the reason why I never knew is because she would go to the teacher in the morning. She would go to her in the afternoon at lunch. She would go spend time with the teacher at night. You know what I'm saying? Like, my daughter was not academically gifted. And even when she got into Michigan State University, like her brother, they told her, like, this is a provisional basis. You're on academic probation coming in. You got to see a tutor. You got all this stuff you have to do. And just being real, my daughter graduated basically in three years. Mm, Why? Because she had that dog. Where her brother didn't graduate in three years. Even though he's naturally gifted, academic, just purely better than her, he had the mind but academically he didn't have a heart and she didn't necessarily have the mind, but she had the heart. And so she, she grew up early bed, go to bed late, you know, doing it three, four times. And so I just say to people, man, if this was heaven, you know, if everybody on earth, you know, was kind and friendly and loving and things just went exactly like you pictured it. Yeah. All you need is skill, but unfortunately, it don't work like that down here. And so if you're going to survive, dogs, sharks, then at some point, I'm not suggesting that you become it, but you must have it at least in your uh, 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 tool belt so that you can pull that out when you need to pull that out.
0: So glad you explained it like that. You obviously still have it. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. I love this product. I have used it for years. Whenever I want to add to our staff, it's the first place I go you should do the same thing. In fact, create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers go to LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com Rome. Once again, linkedin.com Rome and post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Eric, here's the thing. Like I, I want to follow with the normal, obvious follow. All right. It's established. You need to have that dog, a level yeah. of dog. If you want to be that person, yeah. if you want to achieve question is, where does it come from? Is it a are you a product of your environment? Are you wired for it? Are some people built this way? Or, Eric, let me put it to you another way. You're famous for saying this. Folks need to want success as badly as they want to breathe. My question is if somebody does not have that already, can you teach it to them? Or does it have does it only
1: come from how you came up, where you came from, and what you've been through? And you know, okay, so this is why I tell people all the time. Like it, it can't, it, it must not be like just you're born with it, you know, because if you look at my life earlier on, I was a victim. Right. So apparently I didn't have that dog early, but for me, I think that the dog comes from like really understanding, yo, we don't live long and we don't have a lot of opportunities. And, and, and Jim, this is the part I want to say, like, I'll, I'll be, I'm going to be 1000 like, and I don't, I don't talk like this often, but, I know that you have a, a audience and I know people are listening to you and hopefully we can help somebody with this, but I really don't think you just need the dog for you. I really think you need the dog because it's so many obstacles and it's so many other people out there that have something to do with your success. Like I, you know, like if it was just ET by himself and nobody, or I got people that don't like me just because of the color of my skin. Or people don't like me because of the university I went to. Or people don't like me because I'm an extrovert and they're introvert. And just, and there are people who don't particularly care for you, who some people like just don't care for you. But then there's some people when they don't care for you, they actually create obstacles. Like they try to create. So for me, people like, yo, you got that dog and you still got that dog. Well, the first dog was, yo, E, you live in America, bruh. You got opportunities. And I don't care what nobody say about this country. Yes, they're not passing out the American dream. Like they not giving it out at the corner store, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because they're not passing it out. If you got the stamina, the heart, you got that dog, you can go get your part of the American dream. So that was number one. Like I was losing. I was homeless. I was a high school dropout. I was blaming my mom and my dad, but I was homeless. So it's like, yo, E, something got to change, bro. Like you can't be homeless from 16 to 26 to 36 to 46. So you're going to have to stop putting the onus on everybody else. And you're going to have to take responsibility. Like you owe it to yourself to take responsibility. But just being real, Jim, once I became who I am, bro, there's people out here who now saying, yo, well, you're not going to get on this stage, or you're not going to get this opportunity. Or yeah, you might've got in that door, but you're not about to get in this door. And so the dog is not something that you can have. And then once you get to the top of the mountain, it's like you don't need it no more. I'd beg to differ. I think now that I'm on top of a hill, I got more people coming at me. I got more challenges than I've ever had. I got way more challenges than I had when I was homeless. I wasn't dealing with this kind of stuff when I was homeless and a high school dropout. Nobody knew me. was nobody coming for me. Nobody knew I existed. My life was probably less complicated as homeless as it is now. So there is a pre-dog to get you to where you're going. There's a post-dog that you need if you're going to stay where you are. My
0: man. God, I love that so much. A pre-dog and a post-dog. E.T., what you just said, though, was...
1: You you brought that out of me, Jim. I I love
0: that that so much. A pre-dog and a post-dog. E.T., here's the thing. You just said, though, it has to be more. The dog in you has to be more than just for you. This goes back to our why. So let me ask you something. I know the answer to this, but I think it's important to establish it. You have to have a why. You have to have a mission. When your feet hit the ground in the morning, every single morning, you need that why. Here's my question question can the why be anything at all can it be money can it be a car can it be a home or does it have to be bigger and deeper than all of that
1: so the reason why i think jim has got to be deeper than all of that is because the stuff that you mentioned like it's easy to get that so like believe it or not contrary to popular belief they're actually selling cars so they're really not trying to keep them from you right <laughs> believe it or not the dealership actually makes money when you come buy a car so they're not trying to keep that from you. A house is the same thing. A house is a part of the American dream. Banks make money when you buy a home. The challenge I have with extrinsic stuff is that it's easier to accomplish and you can get it faster. So you can buy a car when you're 18 years old. You can, you can get a house when you're 17 years old. Like you, don't, you just need a bank account and good credit, right? That's it. So what happens, and I say this, man, when I talk to my NFL and NBA players, like, yo, what happens when you already got the house and the car? And you 21 years old with a house, multiple cars, you done bought your mama a house. Like, yo, I can't tell you, and, and Jen, you know this, there are a lot of talented players that never live up to their potential. Why? Because your whole life, your why was buying a house and a car, getting something for your mama. You're 22 years old and you did all of that. So now guess what? You're done. You're finished. It's over. So I try to make my why's the Nobel Prize. Why? bruh, you just can't walk up to Sam's <laughs> Costco's and get the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> like, it don't work like that. Like, you got to put in work to do something like that. Um, I'm trying to reinvent myself, the Inky Johnsons, the Jeremy Andersons, the Toby Newickways. Like, I'm trying to show the world, yo, yeah, I did it, but it's not an accident. I got a blueprint. I'm going to create more. I'm trying to put every kid on the east side of Detroit and the west side of Detroit in college, right? So I'm doing free programs trying to get the rest. Those whys, that could take me my whole life, Jim. And I need a why that's going to take me my whole life. A jewelry, a house, a car, those are things you can acquire if you want to at 15 or 16. You can't necessarily win the Nobel Prize at 14 because you 6'6", 200 pounds. It, it just don't work like that. So I think whys need to be intrinsic. Now, if you want a couple of extrinsic whys, go for it. But I just believe they should be intrinsic because you're the thing that fuels you to get up when you don't feel like getting up to get up when you are sick, to get up when you are tired, to get up when, you know, you may have just uh, heard some bad news or lost a loved one to be able to still get up and go get it and go after it. You, you need something that's going to fuel you. And I just don't know if a car has the ability to fuel you for 50, 60, 70 years. So I would say cars, houses, stuff, cute but get you something meaningful that's going to take you at least the distance in your life.
0: E.T., all right, so I'm picking my spots here because I know I'm really respectful of your time, but in terms of why, you made it pretty clear your why was your wife. You met in the church. She kept you straight. She had a certain standard. The standard was the standard. Eric, what happens when something really good, or even more importantly, your why, because like you said, life is not a straight line. There are sharks. They're coming for you. Things happen. What happens if your why get snatched from you? What happens if your why changes dramatically? You mentioned your wife's health issues. What happened to her? And then what did that do to your why and you and your actions?
1: Yeah, now I was blessed because I didn't lose my why. You know, my wife just got MS and we had to make some adjustments in terms of, you know, her life. And it actually motivated me because it's like, yo, E, Diddy can't go back to work. So you really got to go hard now. And not that she couldn't physically, gym do it, but MS is about stress. And she had a very stressful job, you know, as a registered nurse for breast and cervical cancer. So it's a very stressful job. So I need to get her out of job. But here's what I want you all to know, that whatever your why is, you chose it. And you chose it for a specific internal reason. The, one, the, the why you chose is not the only why in the world. So when I was younger, my why was Didi. My why was Jalen and Jada. My son Jalen turned 27 today. Hmm. So my, my 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 why is not just Jalen anymore. Now, Jim, it's all the sons out there that I come across that don't have fathers in their lives, and they look up to me. Jada is 24, just got her master's from Michigan State. So Jada doesn't need daddy no more. So now my new why is, all these girls out here that my daughter and I are teaming up on because they don't have the right. So, so I'm just trying to explain to you guys that your why initially is one thing, but as you grow and develop now, my why is other marriages. Now when I see other kids like Didi and I who got married at 19, now my why is, can I help them stay married? Cause there's a lot going on. Can I help them stay together? Can I help them become great parents? Can I help them become, you know, uh, entrepreneurs or do well at their job? So my why has expanded to the point that if I leave, if Didi, if I lose Didi or my son or my daughter dies, that I still have other whys now that can wake me up, go get it, go after it. And today is one. I'm just being real, bro. Like when you do the work that I do at the level I do, we all wanna, we, we all, we all want to um connect with people who have been considered, you know, the best at what we do. You know, and if when you read my book, I, I don't know if this shocked you or not but how kids look up to, you know, uh, Magic and Larry Bird and Dr. J and Magic Johnson. If you notice, I said Bob Costa when I was coming up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 Howard Cosell, you know? Um, 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 it, it's a plethora of, you know, individuals that I looked at. James Earl Jones, Maya Angelo, like people who have voices. So for me, this is a, a, a privilege because like, yo, of course, when I was a kid, you probably younger than me. So, of course, I wasn't watching you in the 70s like I was watching Howard Cosell. But as a young man watching you on TV and like, yo, for real, we kind of similar in terms of we feisty. We passionate. We fired up. You know what I'm saying? You don't always know what's going to come out of our mouth. You know what I'm saying like we we get at it. You know what I'm saying? And we, we live unapologetically. So to be here in your presence with someone who. You do what I do. You might do it in sports, or you know, whatever you know you consider your genre to be. I might be doing it more in schools and whatever. But like for me, bruh, I look up to and looked up to individuals like us who do what we do with our mouthbeats. And so, man, I'm pumped up. This is a why to like really get to a point where I'm sitting in the room with people who I used to read about or watch on TV. Man, this is amazing to me. And um, my kids get to see. Oh, my dad was there, there, there. Now I set a benchmark for them that, yo, know, your dad was on this podcast, your dad was on this show, your dad met this person, your dad spoke there. So, guess what that means? You got to at least meet the benchmark, if not exceed it. So, man, what a privilege and an honor it is, you know, as uh, from one um, uh, Gregorius, uh, a phenomenal mouthpiece, you know, to another one, man. Appreciate you.
0: ET, my brother, aren't we awesome? Aren't we great? Nah, no, no. <laughs> no, nah. no.
1: no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Listen, I, I, first of all, I cannot tell you how much
0: that means to me. Like, I, I fully, not only do I understand exactly the compliment you just laid on me, I can't tell you what it means to me. I would tell you this. Number one, I'm older than you. And number two, I did read that part of the book and it did not surprise me that the okay. people you looked up to were people like Howard Cosell and Bob Costas yeah. because I understand, ET, yeah. e. we haven't gotten to this yet, but it's because you found your superpower and you found it yeah. in the church. And if anybody's listening right, Right now, it's very obvious what your superpower is. You are, in terms of oratory, you are an absolute powerhouse. I know you studied those who could communicate and communicate brilliantly. I know that you have a gift for moving people and doing so not only with your energy, but with your words. I completely understand it. I want to ask you before you go. So we're talking about you in Chapter 6, you say, put yourself in miracle territory. I think it's important that we, that we get into this before you go. My question is this, miracle territory. Are miracles born of the supernatural, or is it some sort of inexplicable phenomenon, or is it something very
1: different than that? Yeah, I think, man, I think it's all of that. I think, you know, some of miracles, you know, is this, you know, unexplainable, you know, power, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm in Detroit. I don't know how I end up meeting Bob. I don't know how I end up going to the church. I don't know how I end up meeting the pastor. I don't know how me and Didi start talking, you know, so, so that part I had absolutely no control of, but the part I did have control of was being in school when I was supposed to be in school and meeting up with Bob, you know, being in church, when I was supposed to be in church meeting the pastor, you know, showing up to events, you know, church events that had nothing to do with worship, but stuff that we might bowling or whatever. And I and I met Didi at these different events, you know? And so I, I believe it's twofold. It's like, yes, you know, the universe, yes, God is out there wishing and wanting the best for us. But I also feel like we got a work to do. I, Oprah said it best. Oprah said, pray as if everything depends on God, but work as everything depends on you. So I feel like, yeah, phenomenal. But if I hadn't got my GED and went to Huntsville, Alabama, I wouldn't be where I am today. And had I not got my four-year degree in K to Michigan State, I wouldn't be where I am today. Had I not written a book, I wouldn't be with Jim Rohn. Like, let's just keep it 1,000. I, I never met you when I was just out here speaking, doing my thing. It was no reason for us. But you were out there killing the game. I was out there killing the game. I did what I was supposed to do and wrote a book, three books self-published but then i got to a point where a publishing company is like yo we see millions of people follow you we see your energy We, we there's a potential that we can make money with you okay i still had to write the book though and boom i wrote the book and now i'm on stages with people who've been doing this at a high level for a very long time you know and so i just believe it's a little bit of everything it's the universe is doing certain things i gotta do certain things but even you being on this podcast with me You're going to help me to create a reality that had you and I not connected would have never happened. I don't care if I do somebody else's podcast. There are going to be some doors that open up for me because I'm here. Where? I got my own building. I happen to be in one of the rooms. I got lights. I got internet access. I've got a computer. I've got a keyboard. Like, I know how to read. You know what I'm saying? I click the button. I got a little technical skills. That's all miracle territory doing what I can when I can and connecting with people who've done what they're supposed to do and collectively, boom, combustion and something positive is going to happen to you because we're together. Probably more good stuff is going to happen to me because I'm on your platform. And to me, that's what a miracle is. Everybody and everything doing what they are supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it and lining up together and making magic happen.
0: My man, goosebumps. I'm getting chills. What I'm hearing is mm. you put yourself in miracle territory. There are certain things that are yeah. inexplicable, but this much yeah. we know, you can put yourself in miracle territory. So, ET, yeah. e. one, and I could do this for hours, but out of respect nah, for you you and your time. I know you can. I am having a great, great day. I look forward to this conversation for years. It's smashing all my expectations. Here's something very practical. Chapter 9 is entitled, You Are a Business Anybody can be a business yeah. when you start with what you have. Yeah. I want to ask you something. If you how can you be a business if you do not have for instance a product to sell or even a business plan, how are we all already businesses?
1: We're already businesses because we were all born with a gift and a perspective. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Jim Jim or Eric Thomas did not choose our voices. You know it's funny Jim, I tell people there are guys out there that are probably just as whatever we are, but they don't have the right tone, if that makes sense. Like, I heard guys who, like, they are good speakers, but they got that squeaky voice that's, like, irritating. You feel me? We, bro, we were just born not only with energy and passion and with the ability to speak and talk, but we've probably both been talking since we were kids, but we have a tone. And so what I tell people is you were already born an ATM machine, meaning that there are a group of people out there that automatically get inspired, touch, learn from you. Right. And then you do what you take those skills. Now you gotta, you gotta develop them. So, yep. The GED it, the master's degree, I mean, the four-year degree, the master's degree, the PhD, each one of those developed me in a way that I was not naturally developed. So you gotta find out what your superpower is. You gotta get your superpower developed, but then you turn it into a business because now you're, asking people to compensate you for a service that they need. Well, E.T., what do they need from you? Man, people need to be inspired. You got people coming to work. They hate coming to work. So they called me in just to get them pumped up. I spoke to the San Francisco 49ers last year. They could only probably lose one more game, and they weren't going to the playoffs. They brought me in right during that time. I said some very critical stuff to those individuals. I said some very powerful stuff. They went all the way to the NFC Championship and had not one little error happen they probably would've made it to the Super Bowl. So they need, so you have something that everybody needs. Why? Because there are people on the earth that love my personality, who are maybe in their forties, thirties, twenties that need to learn from me how to develop it, right? Then you have people who don't have my personality who want to learn how to be more of an extrovert, how to speak, how to stand up in front of people, how not to be afraid, that's a service. And by giving like, guys, this, this, uh, the book you owe you, bro, that's not, that's my life. I turn it into a product. It's a story. It's a narrative. This world needs content. We love movies. We love TV series. We love sports. We love behind the scenes. So your life is a product. Your life is a service. And there are so many ways A podcast. You could talk about your life. You've got conferences. You could talk about your life. You could do one-on-one training, talk about your life. Like you, what what you can teach? Me. It, it's a you are a service, not um, uh, something that's on the shelf. You are the product. You are the service, and you can take that and make money from it. And I had to realize that. Like, e yeah, you you can speak, and yes, people are inspired by you. But what companies need it? What institutions and organi- organizations need it? And then when I start looking at myself as a business, and not just as somebody that inspires the world, those companies begin to pay me to do what I'm now doing. And then I begin to study those companies and ask, how can I do more? And I must say, uh, I've made a pretty decent living um, going from just ministry to turn it into A business and making money.
0: My my man, last thought, last question. I want to be clear about this. I don't think everybody understands what you just said. The fact of the matter is, you initially, in federal, for a long, long time, did not see yourself as a business or a business entity. You were here to provide a service and a ministry. You did it for free for years and years and years, and wanted nothing out of it other than to make a difference. And then finally realized, hey, you know what? I can do both, and it's okay. I don't have to apologize for being in business. One Absolutely. last thing, E.T., this this notion of a superpower, it's one thing. You have to find it. You have to find yeah. it. But the point that you make, and I think it's really important, you also make the point that once you find it, you have to nurture it. You have to love it, right? You have to develop it. You have to respect it. Explain what you mean by that.
1: So let me just say this to you guys so I can make it simple. When I found out I was a good speaker, I was in college. I didn't have a degree. It took me 12 years to get a four-year degree. I was probably somebody was giving me $5,000, I'm sorry, $500, you know, $1,000 at best. When I got my degree, you know, and that was four years of learning and doing presentations and, you know, in school and doing homework and learning words and, you know, having a thesaurus and learning how to brainstorm and um, compile a paper. Like I was, you know, I was learning, right? Finished with my four-year degree and I started probably making $5,000, seven five hundred. Got my master's degree took my learning to another level, had more control of my speaking, could go to different entities and institutions, could actually teach at the university with a master's degree, Start making about $10,000, $20,000, got my PhD, same thing, learn how to write more, research more, go deeper, be more succinct, have a lot more clarity, uh, was a little bit more valuable to the world, 50000 After that, start doing some more research and start getting certified in d- different personalities tests, you know, and start taking it serious and end up being able to get over a hundred thousand dollars for speaking. So I've always been a speaker since I was a kid. It was natural. It wasn't home. I didn't honor my craft. You know, like Jim said, I didn't honor it. I didn't respect my craft. And so I begin to go to school. I begin to get coaches, speaking coaches. I begin to get take voice lessons. Like I begin to take my voice serious. I begin to take days off where it's like no speaking at all. I began to study the greats in a way that I had never studied the greats before to figure out like how did they use their tone? I started studying people like Michael Jackson, who uh, crescendo, decrescendo. I'm like, oh, okay, I see in songs, he don't always just come out with a high pitch. Sometimes he's slow, sometimes he's low, sometimes he's energetic. I was like, okay, I got it. Uh, James Brown, okay, I see what he's doing. James Earl Jones, okay, I see what he's doing. And I just start take, I start looking at my gift as a craft, and I start taking the craft in the lab every day and just asking myself, how can I get better?
0: Yeah, that Mamba mentality, right? Yeah. You just, you, talk yeah, about it. that's it, man. I know it. I get it. I get. I'll never forget Kobe. He, et, he, he would talk about Michael Jackson and what he meant to him and what he learned from him, and he explained it almost the way you just did, yeah. Eric. I gotta say, like, I, I can't even tell you, man. I am, I so. I'm so appreciative of this conversation, of this connection, of this opportunity. I do want to say once again, I read UOU. I read it in less than two days. It's an amazing book. I recommend it highly, highly to anybody. I know for a fact that I will go back to it again and again and read it again and again. It would seem pretty obvious at this point. But first of all, where do our listeners go to get the book?
1: Man, anywhere and everywhere books are sold. Amazon, Bronze & Nobles, Walmart, Target, uh, Airport. I, I'm i going to see if they got it at the Greyhound station. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they might have it at the Greyhound station, but they wherever best. books are sold, uh, you can uh, get a book and just know that your purchase is going to help me, you know, as I, I go for this Nobel Prize, and specifically in education, as I help our kids in this country realize the benefit of education, Realize the benefit of going to school, everybody doesn't get that opportunity to be among some amazing, amazing educators, and have an opportunity to go to some of the most prestigious universities in the world once they finish K through 12 and learn how to read and write and comprehend, you know, STEM. Um, so your book will go to help me uh, make a difference in this world and. Um, you know, keep America, you know, as a superpower.
0: All right. So one last thought really quickly. The book is a very, very good place to start if they have not already waded into this, but you and your team, you have other courses that you teach, you have other wisdom yeah. that you share, you have other work yeah. that you're doing within your ministry that I know would interest our listeners as well. If they got something out of this, where do they go to get all that other information?
1: ET inspires.com. ET inspires.com. And yes, my friends call me ET and yes, it happened in the 70s as the movie came out.
0: I love it. Eric, I got to tell you, man, I, I will reiterate once again, I appreciate your time so much. I value your time so much. This is one of my all-time favorite conversations. I couldn't have more respect
1: and love for you and the fact that you took the time to do it, my man. Thank you for everything. Thank you so much for having me, man. It means a lot to me. And, um, yeah, I'm going to let my homies know I just got off with my man Jim Rohn. Thank you, sir.
0: Now you know why I've been chasing that conversation as hard as I have. And as great as that was, it was just the tip of the iceberg as it relates to who Eric Thomas is and what he represents. But I couldn't be more pumped to personally finally make a connection with ET and then to connect him personally with all of you. Again, UOU is a must-read. I got my hands on that book before it dropped. I read it at the lake, and I guarantee I will go back to it again and again. That's how it is with a truly great book. Like, I'm always looking for new things to read, but I do find myself going back to the same two dozen books or so over and over again, and this definitely will be one of those books. I mean, we're talking about somebody who found out the man that he thought was his biological father actually was not. Therefore, the people who mattered most to him lied to him. At least he thought so. So he left his family. He was homeless. He was eating out of trash cans. He dropped out of high school. But not only found a roof, but salvation in the church. Salvation in every way imaginable. He finally realized he was not a victim, that the world was not out to get him, that nobody kicked him out of that house, that he left on his own volition, and that the only one or the only thing standing between him and his dream was himself. Same as every last one of us, that your only real competition is staring right back at you in the mirror. You beat that mother bleeper and then nothing can stop you. That's how you go from victim to victor. That's how you go from being a high school dropout to getting your GED to graduating college to getting a master's degree to ultimately becoming a PhD. My man went from eating out of trash cans to getting a PhD. Literally, it's a miracle, right? Actually, it's not. And that's the whole point. It's not if, as ET says, you put yourself in miracle territory. In other words, miracles are not necessarily of the supernatural. Yes, they can be, but they can also be the result of what he calls walking in your purpose with real intention. There's a certain connectivity when you walk in your purpose with real intention, and not just once in a while, but every day, in every way, in everything you do. And then suddenly, things just start to happen. And when they do, it's not a coincidence. I mean, obviously. One more thing I want to say about this man. The thing I would say about any of the greats in any walk of life, and I believe it's elusive, but if you want to be elite in anything you do, you have to have this. And it's as important as pure talent, intellect, physical prowess, charisma, or any other trait that you want to point to. And E.T. has it coming out of his ears. Still, he never lost it. Personally, I've always said this about myself. I really was not above average in anything in my business except for maybe this. I'm talking about having that dog in you. If I could figure out a way to manufacture dog, I would inject the world with it and I would be the richest man on the planet. Like, don't kid yourselves. There were better pure athletes than Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. But nobody had more dog in them than those dudes. Sure, Eric Thomas has an unbelievable superpower and a gift in his ability to speak and motivate and inspire and move people, but that superpower is nothing if not nurtured honored and honed. And believe me, this guy could have never developed that or put himself in miracle territory if he didn't have that unbelievable dog in him. If you have it, you need to fight like hell not to lose it. If you don't have it, you have to fight like hell to develop it because without it, you are doomed to a life of mediocrity. Hey, listen, do this. This is something I'm starting to do myself and it works. When your head hits the pillow tonight, ask yourself the following, What did you do to reinvent, transform, or move closer to becoming that person you really want to be and living the life you want to live? And don't bullshit yourself either. Be real. If you can point to something you did today that moved you closer to who and what you want to be, that's awesome. I bet you sleep well tonight. If not, maybe that means you want to spend some more time and get more clear on who and what you want to be so you can then design your plan for getting there. I can't do that for you. You need to do that for yourself because as ET says, you owe you. If you need some help, pick up his book. It's a blueprint, an actual playbook on finding your why, walking in your purpose, and putting yourself in miracle territory and ultimately realizing that the only one keeping you From all those things is the one staring right back at you in the mirror. If you're getting something out of this pod, do me a favor. Please share it with others and tell others about it. I feel like more and more people are doing just that, and it's working its way back to me, and I get a jolt of energy every single time somebody tells me how much it's helping them. In fact, it motivates me to go even harder and do even better. Thanks again for all the support. Stay in the freaking fight, and I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome.